But the cruel thing here is that you can get kicked off Facebook as a user. You can get kicked off. It's very easy, actually, to get kicked off as a, as a business user on Facebook. So the dilemma is this. How are artists and creators like us, who were never taught the complexities and insider knowledge of the entertainment and arts distribution business, who take all the risks while the middlemen reap the lion's share of rewards? How do we take control of our artistic destiny, grow an audience of raving diehard fans, and manifest financial freedom for ourselves and our families, and yet still have time and energy to consistently release culturally meaningful creations? That is the quandary, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jason Brenizer, and welcome to your phenomenal future. So it is July 10th, 2022. I, uh, I am doing an experiment. I am going to record a little bit of video every day, and uh, I'm going to see how it goes, because uh, I think that might be the only way to get comfortable being on video all the time. Uh, I'm doing it while I'm driving so that I can be distracted and not have to judge myself as much. Trying to find little tricks like that to make it really simple. So most of the time I'm going to be talking about um, things that have to do with my podcast and my program called Phenomenal Future, the PFP, Phenomenal Future Podcast. It has to do with um, the world of blockchain, NFTs, um, online marketing for artists, musicians, writers, uh, fine artists, graphic artists. Uh, did I cover all the kind of artists there are? Probably not, but you get the idea. Uh, and also luxury brands and how the two can um, uh, cross-pollinate. So, of course, you know, a lot of art these days is digital. The blockchain, of course, deals with keeping track of things digitally, whether that's um, Currency, like cryptocurrencies, yeah, uh, or anything else like smart contracts, things like that. So that's the stuff I'm going to be talking about on a, on a daily basis. Now, I have been doing a lot of research, of course, in this area. I have a, a great interest in technology and cutting edge. And I've also done a lot of music in the past where I've been in bands. I've been a composer. I've done music for... Um, little animations and a couple of independent films, things like that, and uh, and then written, you know, popular music. I guess what do you what do you call it, right? It's not jazz. I write songs, uh, but I haven't done that in a while. I had moved from there to uh, screenplays and making films, and then writing novels, and the list goes on and on. Typically, uh, people who have an artistic bent just get a fire under them and, and take off in weird directions and uh, aren't always uh, just doing the one thing. But uh, this is a way for me to marry technology and, and art. I'm really excited about that because I, I'm, I'm hoping the whole idea here is to help other artists see what's possible in getting their art out into the world and, and uh, making a, a wonderful living from it, creating a, an amazing community around what it is that they're, um, you know, excited about making and, uh, you know, being able to reach people all the way around the world without having to deal with a whole bunch of middlemen. The idea here is that it's, it's decentralized. The blockchain 
is a decentralized way for people to share information as opposed to uh, having a network effect in a centralized way. I think the easiest example that most people would understand centralization when it comes to technology is something like Facebook. Um, Facebook is an amazing tool uh, for people to interact with each other virtually from all over the world, but Facebook owns your data. And what does that really mean? You know, like, yeah, you can log in and get access to your information, but let's say I have a Facebook account and I have a product that I want to get out in front of people. Um, just making Facebook posts probably isn't going to reach enough people in the way that I would like to because of the way that Facebook changes their algorithms, right? Not everybody is going to see every post. If they're my friend, they're still not going to see the posts that I do. Sometimes I would have to boost those. I have to pay for that to get them boosted or go into the more complex arena of Facebook ads. It's the business uh, account that you can get on Facebook. But the cruel thing here is that you can get kicked off Facebook as a user. You can get kicked off. It's very easy, actually, to get kicked off as a, as a business user on Facebook. There are all kinds of rules and regulations and things that they change in the background constantly <laughs> an ad that worked a week ago might not work this week because it, uh, you know, you're trying to, to send it to a, a grouping of people filtering in a way that now Facebook no longer likes. So that's, that's what I mean by centralization. They have the control over who gets to see what you post. Uh, in a decentralized way, let's, let's, let's say that we have a social media platform that is, um, using the blockchain and, and as a means for getting its information out and tying it to different users and all that kind of stuff. Well, the cool thing here is I'm in control potentially of the algorithms of how and when I get served data from, from that uh, social media information on the blockchain. Essentially, the blockchain information is transparent. Okay, I could, I, as a, as a, a creator of, of a, a social media platform using the blockchain, can, can program that any way that, that I want. Uh, and so there could be competing uh, social media platforms depending on how they want to serve up data. But the data behind it all, all of the stuff that ends up being on the blockchain, all of the stuff that users post, for instance, um, is always on the blockchain and always readable. So if someone, if a company is not being as transparent as I as a user like, I can just switch to another company, but get access to the same data. Whereas Facebook has all of that data on their own servers hidden away where nobody else can get access to it. So that's, that's the, a really simple way to explain the difference between centralized information and decentralized information. Another way to look at this too um, is money transactions. So a bank is very centralized. They have information on their own servers as to how much money you have in your bank account. Um, and they also have control over when and where you can send it. So let's say you need to get $10,000 from your bank account to somebody in Switzerland because you're you're buying something from them, right? Simple exchange. Well, it should be a simple exchange, but it's 
it's rarely simple. Okay, so in, that would require an international wire transfer. And so you probably can't do it online uh, because it, it might be past their limit. So you have to go into an actual branch. You have to give them all kinds of information. And of course, give them the, the bank information, uh, like the routing number and the account number and the reason why you're moving the funds and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can't obviously do that in the middle of the night because, well, the bank is closed. So you are dealing with their own hours. That's something that they control. Maybe it's a weekend. Well, sorry, they don't do international wire transfers in the weekend. Now you have to wait three or four days. You have to go into a branch and start this wire transfer. Well, it's going to take probably three or four hops before it gets to the actual user's account in Switzerland because it has to go through multiple intermediaries along the way and that takes time and that takes money. Uh, it costs, right? Fees for that kind of transfer can be more than you would like to pay. But I think what's most, uh, what's most difficult here is that your bank may say, no, we won't transfer to that entity for a variety of reasons that are up to the bank. So you may not be able to get your money where you want it to go. That may mean you have to open up a new bank account and you have to transfer that money somewhere else. It, you know, in your home country, just to find a bank that will do the transfer that you want to get it to the person that you want it to get to. Now, Switzerland, probably you wouldn't have that problem uh, because, you know, very, very similar Western banking system. But I don't know. Let's say you wanted to buy a whole bunch of um, uh, Kali fighting sticks from a company in Indonesia on some weird island. Like, I don't know. There may be red flags for whatever reason. They might say, oh, that area where you want to buy these, these training sticks for a martial art uh, happened to be harboring uh, known terrorist groups or something. So the bank may just say no way because the, of that red flag, they're assuming that you're, you're going to be sending money to a terrorist, right? It's, in other words, you don't really have control over your own damn money. They can also lock down your bank account, by the way. So they can put a freeze on your bank account. I'm sure you've had that happen to your credit card where you try to make a purchase and it's, it's declined or denied. Now, sometimes you may just not have, uh, you may be maxed out on your credit card and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's on you. Uh, and I've been there before. But uh, I've certainly had it where I had plenty of uh, credit left on my account. And it was a small purchase, and yet, for some reason, it was flagged, and, and now my account's locked, and I can't make any purchases until I call somebody at the bank and try to work through that process. Now, I recognize that that there are some reasons why they would do that if it's a suspicious purchase for some reason, whatever they call suspicious. Um, well, there might be somebody that got my credit card information um, off of a, a data scrape on somebody's website that wasn't secure, and, and it's truly a fraudulent charge. And for that, I guess that's good. They're, they're, they're saving me headache and of course saving themselves headache. Um, but I think lately that has gotten, I, I'd say, you know, in the name of security, 
now we don't have ease of ease of use uh, on a lot of these accounts that we have. It's getting harder and harder um, for us to do things when we want to do them. And uh, the cool thing about the appropriate blockchains, like uh, Ethereum is a good example, they take security very seriously. Um, now that brings up something really important. It's a little bit beyond the scope of what I wanted to cover here on centralization versus decentralization, but I'm going to touch on this and we'll, we'll hit on this more on, a, on another um, video. But um, the, how do I say this? The um, Ethereum, there have probably been a number of articles that people have seen where it says, uh, you know, $500 million uh, lost on Ethereum due to a data breach or a security breach or something like that. Well, I'd like to actually go into that with a little bit of detail here. The, the breaches aren't actually Ethereum exactly. They're on pieces of software that run on top of Ethereum. So that could be a, um, they call it a DeFi app, a decentralized finance uh, application or a little program may not have been programmed appropriately and they had some holes, um, hadn't thought through all of the use cases or scenarios that someone could use to, to um, move funds before funds actually show up kind of thing. And then the other thing would be these smart contracts that I talked about at the beginning just briefly, that, that smart contracts have to be written in such a way that they're super robust and also don't have these, these holes um, in their code, in their logic, that allows someone to uh, essentially steal money. That's what it comes down to. Um, so, yeah, let's. Ethereum itself is, is super secure in the way that it's designed, and the way that they make their updates, uh, they have a really wonderful uh, team of, of people that really put a lot of energy into that. So, I, I know that if you read just headlines, on, on news and they do catch attention, uh, they're probably not giving you the full story. So just wanted to throw that out there so you can understand that decentralized does not mean insecure. In fact, it probably is more secure because when there is a problem, people are able to really dig in, find out what that problem is and make a change rather rapidly. And um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, decentralized versus centralized. There are probably a million other examples of that kind of thing. I suppose. Um, <laughs> I suppose in the past, if we look at like political systems, um, a king making all of the decisions versus a parliament would be one way that it would show a total centralization in one person of authority or, or a dictator. You know. Uh, versus, um, you know, having a representative government. But even that, a representative government and the way that it's done in, in the United States right now, uh, is it truly decentralized? I, I would say no, mainly because <laughs> most people don't vote. Most people don't think their vote counts. And once you do vote, um, it's really hard to actually have your voice uh, heard. Uh, for your representative or congressperson, you know, you can send them an email or, or send them a message, but does that one little message really matter all that much? Probably not. Uh, 
But on the flip side, we have 300 and what, 30 million people in the United States. Would it be possible to take in all of their information and have a government that, that seems to, to work? <laughs> to have all those voices um, taken into account? I think if it was an individual having to listen to his or her constituents reading all of their emails and all of that, you know, no. But if there is a way to come up with really intelligent voting systems for not just voting someone into office, but voting on uh, bills and legislature in a way that makes sense, yeah, I bet you there are some really amazing ways we can do that and use the blockchain. Uh, to help us make that more decentralized and also transparent and tamper-proof. Because right now, I don't know, the, the ballot system that we have in all of the different municipalities and counties and states, and, uh, you know, it, they're all so different in each of the states, it's really, really hard um, to feel confident that it is truly representing what people are doing in voting. So I'd say that that's a real world example where we can start using blockchain technology to really uh, have a positive impact on our culture and not have it be something that's, that's strictly economic, um, but that is cultural, social, and political. And we definitely need some amazing new technology like that and, and new ways of doing things because our system currently uh, is not so hot and uh, that brings me back to Facebook actually uh, you know in, in the previous presidential election in the United States um, not not this uh, uh, the one where Trump won right the idea was that uh, Facebook was being gamed in a way and whether that was by Russians or, or not um, that there is definitely an echo chamber and and the way that ads were being pumped in front of different people and and all of that to to um, create even more more of a gulf between conservatives and liberals I think that can't be disputed maybe who did it might still be disputed in some ways it's probably not just one group it's probably multiple groups but we're still having problems with that and in a in a uh, centralized company like facebook uh, again we don't really know what they're allowing and what they're not allowing nor does the government have control uh, over their algorithms at all or should they uh, it is a private company after all the government could not have created fa facebook that kind of innovation doesn't happen in a bureaucracy but um you know, if we were able to move to a more decentralized way, uh, you know, system, like I said at the beginning, that everyone wouldn't, everyone wouldn't have to be on the application called, you know, uh, blockchain Facebook. Uh, there might be so many different applications that sit on top of that data, but the data itself is there for anyone to use and to see. And that, uh, that also might help uh, create a, a more equitable, accurate way of perusing what people believe and and what are actually facts and what are manipulation of statistics and uh, cherry picking of data. 
So that's what I got today. That was a fun 19 minutes. Hopefully that was helpful for somebody to understand at least how blockchain, uh, the technology created in 2009 uh, as a real world example. The idea of it was even, um, I would say, innovated earlier than that um, in concept papers. But something that's been around for a very short period of time can have such a monumental impact on so many different aspects of our lives. Uh, I really want to get this idea out there in the world so that it just doesn't become this thing that people are, are perceiving as a way to make money fast without doing much work. Like, that's never really... <laughs> That's never really actually possible, and and uh, nor is it helpful in the long run. So, all right, until next time, I had a good time today on video number one. Uh, let's see if we can keep me honest and, uh, and give me some encouragement. This may not have been the best video in the world, but it is day one after all. Now, on day 365, you can definitely give me a lot of constructive criticism at that point, uh, but the, I'm, I'm like a little baby here, and I, I need some encouragement to, uh, to get up and try to walk on a daily basis. And uh, I'd appreciate that. And hopefully I can do a little bit for you uh, and the same um, to encourage you to go look into some of these awesome, awesome, awesome topics that I'm going to be talking about. All right. Until next time. Adios from uh, some long road without lights in Texas. You are a phenom, a phenom artist, creator, maker, musician, painter, sculptor, writer, storyteller. But most of all, you are a phenomenal human being. Because I know you conquer fear. You defy age and bridge divides. You connect hearts and bring joy. You grow with purpose to heal your community. And you embrace who all of us are becoming. Please subscribe to this podcast or channel to accelerate your success. And please share this episode with three friends who you know deserve a phenomenal future just like you.